uh, this morning. I, Steve has been doing a series for Practical Family, and we've uh, spoke last week, if you're able to catch last week's message about uh, our younger kids. This week, uh, Steve has given me the task of talking about teenage years and growing up into adulthood. So uh, I think it's a very exciting subject. I'm almost not qualified because I've got two and a half teenagers at home, uh, but I'm uh, also relying on my parents and, uh, and what they've done to raise four boys in our family. And, uh, and I've also got the Word of God, so we're going to have a look at what God says about it. And I want you to really know this morning that uh, there's real hope. I don't know where everybody's situation exactly is, but there's real hope in raising our kids. And I want you to walk away today, not with a fear of how my kids are going to work out, but being, being able to have confidence in knowing that your kids are going to grow up um, in the Lord. Uh, Proverbs uh, 24.3 uh, says, By wisdom a house is built, and through understanding it is established. Oh, I love this verse. By wisdom a house is built, and through understanding it is established. Now, uh, as I look at that verse, though, when you look at uh, Proverbs as a whole, um, it's not just talking about my wisdom and my understanding. It's actually talking about God's wisdom. And it's the kind of wisdom that set the earth's foundations into, and set the earth into motion. And it's the kind of understanding that put the heavens into place. And it's just unbelievable what God has for us. Um, so, uh, as the Bible says, do not lean on your own understanding, but seek God for his understanding. Uh, so that's what I'm attempting to do this morning. Um, before we get into this message, I, I feel we'll just pray again. Father God, Lord, we just thank you. Uh, Lord, right now, I pray that you would help me to focus on what it is that you are uh, placing on my heart to say. Lord, I pray for the families in this church. Lord, I pray it would be a blessing for them. And Lord, we ask that you would just touch hearts this morning and uh, by your spirit, we ask in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, um, I'm going to give you a little bit of uh, my personal experience with uh, teenagers so far, just on a practical side of things. Um, now, my parents, they gave me something very special when I was growing up, and you might have this experience as well. They gave me the gift of doing chores. Has anyone else been given that gift? Yeah, that's good, isn't it? And it's a gift that I you know, really want to give to my kids too. So I've, I've uh, been able to give to my kids that gift as well. And, um, you know, as uh, I've grown up into my adulthood, I realised there was lots of other kids who didn't know how to iron a shirt. They didn't know how to do laundry or cook a meal or clean a toilet or all of these things, practical life skills. And, uh, and I think it's been great that we've been able to hand that uh, gift to our kids as well. We used to have a, a chart in our fridge uh, or on our fridge that um, had some times on it when our kids were younger and it was the bedtime. And if they were naughty, um, we would add 15 minutes so that their picture would come down and they would have to go to bed 15 minutes earlier. 
Um, but if they wanted to earn that time back, they could wash the dishes or they could do a chore. And it was a really great way, it was a tip we picked up from other parents, it was a really great way just to take the stress out of it because you almost want your kids to be naughty so they can go to bed early or, or do a chore. It's, uh, take, it just took so much frustration out of parenting. Um, but as they've grown up into uh, more teen years, we've uh, actually got a, a schedule, a schedule that, we, um, that my wife made up, which she picked up out of a, uh, a book, um, Barefoot Investor, I think. Uh, but it's a really great little uh, thing to do with your kids where we've got the chores and they can choose to do them or not do them. And if they do them, they tick them off and then um, they get a certain amount of money per tick that they've got. So um, our kids are moving into life skills with learning how to do things around the house. I've uh, recently just handed over mowing the grass to my oldest son, Jay. Hi, Jay, I can see you out there. And, uh, and Jay, um, I have to tell you, mowing the grass was actually one of my favourite jobs to do. <laughs> Um, I really enjoyed mowing the job. It was actually really hard to pass that job on, but uh, I know that uh, it's worthwhile for Jay to learn to do that, and um, and it's really great because you know he mows the grass while I do some whippersnipping, and it's done in half the time. So I'm a great believer in allowing our kids to grow up practically, um, and these you know, these are all practical things, but. I also want to create in my home an environment where they can grow spiritually, uh, relationally, and emotionally. And that one's a little bit harder to nail down, but I've got some good scripture to uh, help us out with that. Um, now, if I reflect back on my childhood and what my parents are like, and, um, and actually I heard a, a whisper, hello to people who are at home, I'm not sure which camera you're on, but hello to you. Um, my mum's actually tuning in this morning, so hi to my mum who's tuning in. And uh, several, um, there's actually, I can see Elijah and Sam and Jay, your grandma's on. So that's exciting. Um, but I want to honour my mum and I want to honour my dad uh, because they, uh, I believe, were very godly parents in the way that they brought us up. And I, I've learned a lot from them just in my experience of being a child in their family. Um, for my mum, you know, she had a way of just letting you know that you were accepted and that you belonged. And uh, you know, as teenagers, uh, sometimes you get stuck in your own bubble and um, perhaps you've had this experience with your teenagers where your teenagers aren't all that chatty. But I want to encourage you that just um, having someone who is present in the house is just so encouraging for a young guy. And uh, I know some of my favourite memories of growing up is where I felt so secure and safe that I would have lots of really good conversations with mum just in the kitchen while dinner was being created. And, uh, and it was a really special relationship uh, that I was able to develop with my mum because she was just present and patient with us and she let us know that we were accepted um, and she certainly let us know when we stepped out of line. Um, for my dad, um, who is no longer with us, but if I can just honour my dad as well, 
uh, in the way that he brought us up. One of the things I, I particularly remember is whenever we had an issue, you know, sometimes we would you know, not know how to handle a relationship at school or we might have been having you know, girl trouble or, or whatever it might be. And if we asked Dad a question, he was always available. And he might have been watching the news or he might have been playing his favourite computer game, sitting at the computer, but he would stop whatever he was doing. He'd just let the news keep rolling on. He would turn and talk to us. And I always really appreciated that about my dad and the way that he gave us time. And I tell you, I, I don't know too many people who have been able to give wise advice like my dad could. Uh, he was a very wise guy. Um, so uh, I'll just tell you another story about something that happened with my dad. And it's a story I, I've uh, probably told before, but um, it's probably the most profound story uh, to describe what my dad was like from my youth. And it stayed with me into adulthood. I was a, a young teen and I was at, at the stage where I thought, I don't really want to go to church today. And I thought I'd tell my dad, Dad, I uh, think I'll stay home today. I don't want to go to church. And now understand, my dad was the pastor at the church and um, I can only imagine now what that might have been like for him. But he responded in a way that, I, um, that surprised me, actually. And he said, you're old enough now to make your own decision. Um, you can stay home if you choose to stay home. But I want to tell you, I'd also be disappointed if you don't come. And so I tested the theory. I tested it and I stayed home. And, um, and I stayed home the next week too. But then something changed in me. I saw that my dad was uh, still loving me and accepting me, even though I wasn't going to church. And so I decided, I'm missing out. <laughs> I want to go back to church. And so I came back to church. And, uh, and that was a really important lesson for me because he showed... Um, two things that I want to talk about today. He showed uh, grace because he loved me anyway and he showed truth because he told me what was important, uh, that going to church was important, that a relationship with Jesus was important. And so those two uh, principles are uh, uh, what I want to really get into today um, as principles that we can have confidence in in raising our children. So we read in um, John... Chapter 1, verse 14. Um, I'm just going to read the first part here. Um, it says, The Word became flesh, so of course talking about Jesus here, and made its dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Such a profound verse, this one, because... Uh, this is an introduction to who Jesus was. Um, it's an introduction off the back of the law, which was very rigid, uh, the law of the Old Testament uh, that you had to follow and all the structure that you had to um, adhere to. And actually, I do believe there was grace in the Old Testament, but uh, the way that the law was treated in Jesus' day, there wasn't a lot of grace in it. And so Jesus comes along 
And he's not just full of truth, he's full of grace and truth. And those two things together are just a profound, powerful thing. Um, And actually, those two things together are the difference between being able to grow and getting stuck. Uh, So let's talk about what happens, because I've observed what happens when those two things are separated. So let's talk about when grace is there, but there's no truth. So what is grace in biblical terms? It's love and mercy given to us purely because God wants us to have it. Not because we did something to earn it or that we deserve it. Um, You cannot earn or uh, deserve grace. Grace is unconditional love and acceptance. Such grace is important for us because it allows us to heal and be restored. And it's important for us because it allows us to be able to step into a a growing relationship. As parents, we should carry a measure of grace for our children, our teens, and into adult life. Um, Grace is good. However, I want you to imagine with me this situation. And you might know of a situation like it. You told your son or daughter that if they kept their room clean this week and if they did the dishes every night, that they would get, at the end of the week, some pocket money. That sounds like a good deal. So the week goes on and, lo and behold, the room doesn't get cleaned and the dishes don't get done, not even once. And the parent at the end of the week says, Oh, look at him. I, I feel sorry for him. Uh, let's just give him some grace and I'll give him the pocket money anyway. And so that child grows up with a just grace kind of lifestyle and they feel like they can get away with anything. They feel like that there are no consequences for their actions. And um, as they get older, they can pretty much start doing whatever they like and are surprised when they get in trouble from their boss or from the police or whatever else. I don't know if you know anyone like that. I have met some people who are a bit like that. And then uh, we could have a different sort of scenario where there's only truth, where there's only discipline and grace gets removed separated again. So what is truth in biblical terms? Truth are the things that are real. Truth is the reality check on your behaviour. Just as grace draws you into relationship, truth gives you a structure that helps relationship fundamentally work. Imagine with me again, a parent is so firm on the rules that there is no wiggle room for mistakes. Truth that is separated from grace does not care about feelings, mercy, compassion or favour. It values most the standard being met and can come across as being downright uncaring and unloving. Anyone who is required to live up to the perfect truth standard will likely become a rebel to the truth. The law without grace will destroy your child. No one ever grows when they are under a strictly legal relationship. It says, you can only be loved when you do what I say. 
It brings guilt, anxiety, anger, and a heap of negative emotions. What would it feel like if you, uh, you know, were only the only affirmation you received was that you don't measure up, that you are not good enough, and that you should be punished for who you are? When it comes to encouraging your kids, I can tell you love is way more powerful than criticism. And this is a tricky one to navigate because for us, we get frustrated. And I have to admit, I'm not a perfect parent. I get frustrated at times. And, uh, and we say things to our kids to try to motivate them to do what is right. But um, the truth is that we need to find truth as well as parents. Uh, that we can give our kids truth with grace. And so those emotions, and I've seen this played out with, with um, more than one, is a lie that comes with those negative emotions. The lie is that there's no freedom outside of God's model of morality. Um, that you seek freedom to do just what you feel like so that you can do whatever you want. And there's a real push to get away from the rules and you just want to live free. But the truth is, in God's word, uh, God's version of morality, there's way more freedom in God's version of morality than there is without it. There's way more freedom uh, for marriage, for instance, where sex is just within the marriage. There's way more freedom in that than there is when you follow what the world says, which says that you can sleep with whoever you want, whenever you want, there's a real um, push from our society that says, if it feels good, you can do it. That's the way you were born, or that's the way that God made you, or that's the way that you've been made, or that's just how you're biologically made up. But God's morality is a safeguard against mistakes. It's a safeguard against uh, negative living, against negative consequences. Okay, I'm going to read... Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4, just to back up uh, this thought. It says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. It's just a perfect verse for what we're talking about. It lays down that uh, we can give our kids instruction, uh, but we can, also, um, we can also love them by not provoking them. So there's some good news and there's some hope. I'm going to go back to that, uh, that verse uh, you know, or that um, John 1.14 verse and I'm just going to include 16 and 18 as well. So we read about Jesus and it says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. For from him... Uh, for, oh, just skip to verse 16 here. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen him. I've seen God, the only God who was at the Father's side. He, Jesus, has made him known. Grace and truth together cancel out the effects of sin and draw us back, back from isolation and enter relationship. 
And I'm going to give you a story from the Bible that illustrates that. Um, you find it in John chapter 8, uh, verses 2 to 11. And I'm going to, um, I'm just going to paraphrase the story. Um, so Jesus uh, is going to the temple and he's teaching people there. And then the Pharisees uh, decide that they want to trick Jesus. So they find this woman who's been caught in adultery and they bring him to Jesus and they say, this woman's been caught in adultery. Moses' law says she should be stoned. What do you say? Now, the Pharisees know that if Jesus says, okay, stoner, there'd be a problem with that because uh, the, the Romans wouldn't let the Jews do capital punishment without their permission. But if he said, uh, um, no, don't stone her, then he would be violating Moses' law. So they thought they had him. And so Jesus just kneels down and he starts drawing in the dirt and they keep pressing him. Come on, what do you say? What do you say? What are you going to do? And he eventually stands up and he says, if anyone is without sin, let them throw the first stone. And so one by one, from oldest to youngest, as they stand around thinking about what Jesus has said, they all leave until it's just this one lady standing in front of Jesus and Jesus is down riding in the sand again. And so after everyone has left, Jesus stands up and makes eye contact with this lady and asks her, has anyone condemned you? And she says, no, no one. And he says, neither do I. Now go away and don't sin anymore. There's two elements in this story, isn't there? There's a grace element and there's a truth element. The truth of go and sin no more and the grace element that saved her life. It's what Jesus brings. Actually, there's heaps of stories I, I could think of. Um, I thought of Zacchaeus. I thought of how Jesus came through and Zacchaeus, who was a sinner. Jesus went and had lunch at his place. And by the end of the meeting, Zacchaeus has repented of his sins. He's uh, feeling the grace of God and he's um, turning a corner. He completely changed his life just by meeting Jesus. I think of the prodigal son, the story that Jesus told about how there is grace and, and truth. And then I think of the woman at the well. And we read in John 4, 23 to 24, that Jesus says uh, to this lady at the well who had experienced the grace of Jesus already. He says, But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshippers will worship in spirit and truth. For the Father is looking for such people to worship him. God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. We are called to worship God in relationship and in honesty. And it doesn't mean that we have to have it all together in order to come and worship him. We've just got to be honest about where we're at. If we're not coming to him in honesty and relationship, we're not really able to worship him at all. 
What I'm trying to say is that we need to be real about who we really are before God. His grace and truth allows us to do that. And that, in turn, invites us to grow, as God intended us to grow. So we as parents can model this for our children. When you give your child permission to be real about who they are and about where they're at, you've all of a sudden got communication, you've got relationship. And they have permission to be able to grow. And you will have permission to input into their life in a greater measure that is long-lasting. I think this is such good news that there's hope in raising our kids. You can create an atmosphere where your kid can grow and you will have greater permission to feed into their growth. I'm just going to run through a couple of pointers. I think I've got time. Um, a couple of things that you can do. Once you set this atmosphere, all of a sudden, you can affirm who they're becoming. If I can, um, Jay, if I can just uh, talk about you for a minute. Um, when Jay was baptised, uh, he, he was, you know, we did the whole baptising thing and came out of the water and then we all came and put hands on him and prayed. And um, something that I know Jay remembers because we've spoken about it, uh, Tamara, you prayed something over Jay uh, that said, you will help people stand. And that's a word that is... Uh, whew, <laughs> that just got me. Um, that's a word that's been with my son for a really long time. And, uh, and it's important for me to affirm that in him. Um, for Micah, I really see in Micah uh, that in him, he sees other people past their junk, past their mistakes, past everything. He's just a kid with grace. Oh, it's hard when you're talking about your kids, isn't it? Um, and then Emmeline, I really see in Emmeline that um, she's not quite a teen yet, but I really see that she cares for people uh, quite deeply. She's got a real compassion for people, um, particularly people who are hurting. She's just drawn to them. And, uh, and there are things in your children that you will find that you can affirm. And if you can't think of anything, ask God, God, what is it on your heart about my child that you want me to see? And he'll show you. Affirmation can be such a strong thing for your kids. Affirming spiritual values... Um, that you believe in. So talk to your kids about Bible stories that mean something to you. Why does it mean something to you? And what is it about um, that story that uh, will introduce your child to some mistakes that you've made growing up? It's really important to allow your kids to know that you've made mistakes as well. Now, when you see anything contrary to God's truth, and I tell you it's everywhere, I don't think there's a program on TV that fits in line with God's word. So you've got a choice. You can tell your kids they're not allowed to watch it, or I'm not going to tell you what to do. Uh, this is what we do. We, uh, we will watch some programs uh, that are rated within their boundaries. And um, when things come up in those programs... It's an opportunity, it's a springboard to be able to talk about some of those things. Why is it that people feel they have to 
drink a lot? Why is it that people feel they have to sleep with someone before they get married? Why is it that people go to parties and, um, and behave like that? Why is it that people are rude to each other? So it's, I'm not going to tell you how to handle that one, but that's how we do it. And it, it gives us permission and opportunity to be able to talk to our kids. Um, give your t- kids time to get it and don't rush them. They, they do need time to grow. It's not going to happen straight away. And to this point, um, I would say you need to add prayer over your kids. In fact, it's a passion of mine to pray for my kids every day and to pray for my wife every day. There's certain things God puts on your heart that are going to be lifelong passions. If it's not your wife and kids or your husband and your kids, I don't know what is. Lifelong passion. Allow that to be a lifelong passion for you to pray for your family. Okay, and uh, give your t- don't just give them time to grow, just give them your time as well. Uh, it's one of the most important things. Um, I heard a great story actually uh, just came to mind about uh, a mother who was really struggling to connect with her child. She didn't feel she was connecting. And they went for a car ride and she was just trusting God in it. She wasn't going to start the conversation because she always tried to start the conversation and it never happened. So she just went for a car ride and uh, felt like God was telling her not to say anything. And they got to the end of uh, a one-hour drive. They got out of the car. Not a word had been spoken. Um, But later, she overheard him speaking and saying, that was the best camping trip I've ever been on (laughs) because he got to spend time just sitting in the presence of his mother. Um, So don't discount, ladies, how important your presence is with with your sons. And dads, don't discount how important your presence is with your daughters. I heard a statistic that um, girls will pick up around 70% of their identity from how their fathers see them, from the affirmation their fathers give them. That's a huge responsibility. But it all comes from time, spending time with your kids. Okay, share your own testimony of what God has done. And... Be a part of a church family. There's nothing better than that. Being part of a church family, uh, you've got access. And I'm so glad, actually, that my kids are here and there's some of the young adults that uh, attend our church. And I'm just so proud that they get to rub shoulders with them. They get to um, learn from them and, and see their faith. And they're getting it from outside of what I can teach them. So... Um, You're at church. Congratulations. (laughs) It's good for your kids. So this is our hope, that Christ in you, the hope of glory. And um, just got one last scripture to share with you. It says, therefore, as you receive Christ... Sorry, this is in Colossians chapter 2, verse 6. I think it's coming up on the board. It says, just as you have received... Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him and establish in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. And then in verses 13 to 14 of Colossians, same chapter, it says, And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive 
together with him, having forgiven us all of our trespasses. All of our mistakes are forgiven. By cancelling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands, this he set aside, nailing it to the cross. Parents, I really want you to know you've got a great hope when it comes to your kids. Be encouraged in that hope. Grace and truth, relationship and structure, love and security. I don't know every situation you're facing right now, but I do know that there is hope. And it's never too late for a parent to start a grace and truth journey with their kids. It's never too late. It's never too late to be real about your own faults and mistakes. It's never too late to be um, real about who God is to you and your journey with your kids. It's God's perfect plan for you, grace and truth. It's God's perfect plan for our kids too. We're going to wrap it up there um, for the people who are at home. Um, We're going to say goodbye. I hope you feel blessed. Um, Thank you for being with us this morning. And um, we're just going to cut away to some ministry time. I'm not sure if we're still on online or whether we're off. It's good. It's just us. (laughs) So it's just us. Um, And I I just really feel to pray. Like I said, I don't know... God's not revealing to me circumstances or anything like that, but um, he is revealing to me that right now we should pray uh, for our families and pray for our parents, and, uh, and I'd like to do that with you. Um, actually, do you guys like to stand with me? Father God, Lord, we just thank you so much that you are a God of grace and truth. Lord, we thank you for your truth, which gives us a guideline, a guideline of, uh, of how to live a life that is actually full of freedom. And Lord, we thank you for your grace that calls us into that truth. We thank you, Father God, for your sacrifice. Lord, we just bring to you now our kids our teenagers, our young adults. Lord, we just lift them up to you. Lord, we ask for forgiveness where we've messed up. Thank you, Lord, that you're a great restorer. And Lord, we just, um, we just give to you our mistakes. Lord, I ask that you would just cut away our emotional tie to any mistakes that we've made. And Lord, you would just draw us in by your grace again. Lord, we pray over our kids. Lord, we want to we want the best for them. We want them to know you. Lord, we pray for a spirit of revelation to come upon our kids, our teenagers, and our young adults. Lord, give them a spirit of revelation of who you are. A spirit of revelation of your grace and your truth. We ask in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.